and welcome into another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, the great writer extraordinaire. He's not CPR certified, but he breathes life into the Tigers beat with his great content. He is Cody Stavenhagen. Cody, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, Kieran. I like that one, and I also decided my new strategy. I'm just going to be like a week behind on these. <laughs> so to clear up anyone who who listened to last week's, I do know what it means to be buffed up. I was confused. I thought maybe he's talking about being booed up, which is a different conversation. <laughs> uh, I'm not buffed up, but if anyone wants to start a fundraiser for me, like the people of Michigan did for Gretchen Whitmer, and give me a pair of buffs, I would uh, I would gladly accept. Maybe you get Whitmer's buffs. Those are worth some. Uh, I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, these things happen really quickly. And also I think you were trying to, uh, I think you were trying to get, get at the animal angle as quickly as possible, uh, <laughs> as, uh, as the zoo has continued to be a zoo here. No new animals, but I'm just saying like the cat likes to get on top of the refrigerator. We have a lot of stuff stored over there and likes to almost knocked down our dvd shelf i still have a dvd shelf i don't know if i'm old and it's like right next to my tv and if that thing yeah, falls, you should probably get rid of that yeah. that's, that's pretty much obsolete you're right you're right but a uh, little note more nerve-wracking when you got a new cat trying to find itself in a new environment so uh so we'll see if if he makes an a, an audio appearance on this pod this week, like he did this is why week. the people listen. I assume every it's just for the weekly cat updates. Now I think you're going to develop a loyal following of people who want. Let, cat let me tell you something. Cat updates. Twitter is a very supportive Twitter. It's 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 <laughs> not like sports Twitter. It's not like politics Twitter. It's very supportive. Every, you know, I post a picture of a cat and I get I get good engagement. I don't know. People people are suckers for cute cats. I guess I am. That's why I have four of them. A lot, a lot of lonely people on cat Twitter. <laughs> well, uh, as we sit here and record and we're basically at mid-February, I kind of wanted to ask you this to kind of pop off here, Cody. In a normal year, are you in Lakeland yet? Let's see. I think I've got down there like February 12th most years. Um, So we're right there. So the report date for for mini camp is like the 16th. So by the time this pod runs, I generally, yeah, I'd be down there. So the reason I ask is because this week you did a roster projection, lockout edition, you know, 1.0 and all that stuff. And I was like, you know, good on Cody. He kind of produced some content that if – Anyone had no idea about the lockout or whatever, be like, "Oh, yeah, this is about right time that we'd be, you know, looking at, <laughs> we'd be looking at roster projections." So you kind of keep, yeah. For, oh, yeah, for at least now for this week, you kind of kept your content schedule there a little bit. Um, listeners of the pod, loyal readers on the Athletic, for you, um, there wasn't too many surprises on there, but there were a couple things that I just kind of wanted you to expand on a little bit, maybe. Not that it's adversarial, but sort of like defend your position, defend this. Um, So you went no Torkelson. I'm going to lump these guys together. You can kind of break them down in whichever fashion you want. No Torkelson, no Willie Castro, and no Colby Clements. So obviously you got a guy who is the number one overall pick recently, a guy who has been on the major league roster for the better part of two seasons, and... A 40-man guy in Clemens who 
a lot of people kind of try to talk their way into him being a uh, major league contributor. So I was kind of curious how that kind of fell for you for, I guess maybe Willie Castro would be the most curious one for me, but Torque's relevant too, so. Yeah, as I've said on this pod before, I feel like Torque, it, it could really go either way. Like, I think a pretty 50-50 chance entering spring, depending on how he looks in spring and maybe how the rest of the infield looks as well. Um, I didn't pencil him in here because I do feel like, even more so than Riley Green, Torkelson will kind of have to play on his way onto the roster rather than like, oh, if he's really bad, he'll play his way off of it. Like, I think he's going to have to push a little bit to make it, whereas Riley Green's kind of penciled in and it's like, eh, chances are this guy's going to be on the opening day roster unless unless he kind of plays his way off of it. Uh, so that was kind of my rationale with Twerk. I, you know, that that also gives me something to change whenever I do 2.0. Oh, so that's <laughs> kind of part of the thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I, uh, I hope, personally, that Spencer Twerkelson is on the roster in uh, roster projection 2.0. Now, Willie Castro, our boy, Willie Castro, man, this one made my head hurt. I was like, what do you, what do, you do with Willie Castro? Because here's the thing. Baseball will be a better sport if Willie Castro never plays shortstop again. <laughs> so, I hope Willie, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe he can play some second. We saw him play left. Wow, God, he's bad in left too. Can he hit? Like, I don't know. Maybe. Um, I'm sure the organization still thinks there's something there in his bat. But when you start assembling this roster, it's like, who are you? Who you were taking off? I think maybe it could be okay. Here's the thing: if Torque's on the roster, that probably uh, dumps like Isak Paredes off the roster. Uh, but right now, say Torque doesn't make it, maybe it'd be between Willie Castro and Paredes for kind of a utility infield spot. Um, and I don't know. Like I think I want to see more of Isak Paredes. Like I want to see what he can actually do if he gets some consistent at bats. We've seen Willie Castro get chance after chance. I think it's time for someone else to get that chance. That doesn't mean we won't see Willie in the big leagues at all. It would be kind of strange if you just cast him off into AAA Toledo. Uh, but I just don't really know where he fits on this roster. I don't know what position you want him to play. Now that you have Baez and now that Jamer's established at third, like I think I think you're running out of ways to talk yourself into giving Willie Castro chances. Uh, I don't know how the Tigers management or coaching staff feels about this, but that's how I feel about it. And then Cody Clemens, look, I think and, and hope Cody Clemens gets to make his big league debut at some point this year. But for him to make the opening day roster, I feel like there would have to be injuries. You know, I did put Harold Castro on there. We can debate the, uh, I was about to say, do you the think good and bad of, of Harold Castro for forever. It's... I don't know if it's a guarantee, but it is like, okay, if you're looking at Isak, Cody Clemens, Willie, Harold, like, who's who's proven more? Who do you trust more? Of those four, like, for a bench role, I might just go Harold Castro as much as I know what the numbers and the analytics say about Harold, but unless you have someone who's clearly going to outperform him, uh, I think he gets the benefit of the doubt, um, at least to begin this season. So that was my rationale for those. Another interesting question. I put Derek Hill on this roster. 
put him on over Victor Reyes. I think that's kind of a 50-50 call. And if we stick with this idea of Eric Haas being kind of a utility guy, I don't know. Maybe you could carry uh, Willie Castro and not carry a true fourth outfielder, have Haas and Willie both play some outfield. There are going to be a few different ways to construct this thing, but I think kind of the um, the way I've laid it out in this projection seems to be the kind of the safest way to look at things going into spring training, and of course things can change from there. Is it going to be more of a surprise than not with Dustin Garneau? Like if he if he didn't make opening day, is that more of a surprise than uh, than not? Yeah, I, I misspoke earlier. I, yeah, I kind of said um, if Torkelson's on the roster, maybe it bumps like Isak off. I think Torkelson is going to be more closely, Garneau's going to be more closely tied with Torkelson um, because I think if Tork plays first, like that eliminates one of your options for Haas. Um, I don't think they'll carry three catchers if Torkelson makes the roster. Uh, so I think if they want to give Torque a little longer in AAA, maybe they do open the season here with three catchers. Look, they tendered Garneau a contract for a reason when they did not have to, when he's out of minor league options. So that tells me there's the world in which they want to carry this guy on the roster. It's There are going to be a lot of factors that go into it, though. You know, um, we can kind of jump around a little bit. I, I, I didn't really have any um, misgivings about the outfield. I personally, I guess I'll phrase it like this. I really would like to see Hill earn that spot. It's your and boy. It, well, yes, it is my boy. And similar, I'm not trying to equate them as players because Victor Reyes is more accomplished, more consistent than Willie Castro. However, I think we've seen it with Victor Reyes. I think we know. I think, I think Victor Reyes is what he is like. You, you don't necessarily complain about the role that he'd be slotted in, but uh, I, I'd like to see a little bit of fresh blood in there and given some more time for Derrick Hill. If he plus, you know, if you lose that roster spot to Derrick Hill, you know, in two weeks, uh, you're gonna be back up. So, <laughs> and I'll and, and I'll love me some Derrick Hill, but you know, the off season's getting long. We're we're ripping fa- on people today. Fa- facts are facts. Sorry, guys. I love me Derrick Hill. I love me Derrick Hill. I'm just saying. Um, and then the Daz thing, you know, we, we've talked about that before. If he could turn a corner, that would be very beneficial for organizational depth. But till it happens, not really worth talking that much about. I did like your note here. We go to starting pitching. Yep. Kind of, kind of laid it out there for Matt Manning, man. Like, and and I would say that overall, like I'll speak for myself here. Overall, I have a a more positive. Uh, reaction to how he pitched given the circumstances to scale when called up last year to me it kind of went about as I expected I wasn't disappointed by it but you make note here you're definitely not using pen with him in the starting rotation and one of the things we talk about when this lockout ends if it ends Starting pitcher is going to be a uh, a priority, or at least should be a priority for the Tigers, and then it gets a little dicey for Manning there. I think that was a good note by you. Yeah, I think we've kind of all assumed that Matt Manning is a is a lock for this rotation. I don't know, maybe just because of the name recognition. I think that's definitely best case scenario for the Tigers if Matt Manning has a great camp and you can trust him to be in your opening day rotation. At the same time, there were. 
some starts last year when Matt Manning did not look very good. Um, he has a lot to work on. I think maybe if there's one guy not being able to be in contact with coaches could hurt, it could be Matt Manning. Because like I've said, if I'm Chris Fetter, man, I'd want to be checking in on Matt Manning every day, see how his arsenal's going, develop a third pitch, what's his fastball velo. Those are all going to be important things to look at. And another guy I was really supporting toward the end of last year was Tyler Alexander, who again, he made 15 starts. He had a 3.38 ERA in those 15 starts last season. Um, you know, he's a, he's, he's not necessarily a hard-throwing guy. He's not a power pitcher. But there's something to be said for what Alexander can do. So I think, say you, you, you sign this fifth starter, and if you're not real confident in Manning, if you think he needs a little more seasoning, if he could benefit from some time in AAA to sort out the kinks, I think you can feel just as confident, if not more confident, by just keeping Tyler Alexander in your rotation. And then that also opens the door for you to sign another reliever. That just kind of makes, uh, I think, constructing your bullpen maybe a little bit easier too. So, look, I think Matt Manning, I think you want him on the opening day rotation. That means he's throwing well. That means you got Mize, Manning, Scooble. But I don't think we should consider that um, a guarantee. I think that's kind of been an overlooked talking point this offseason. By the way, poor Tyler Alexander. He is your boy. But uh, unfortunately, on, on the athletic uh, story, he doesn't have a mugshot. I know. I noticed and that. I, I, I don't know, know that's why. not this guy, this guy, you or whatever. But like, this guy struck out him. nine batters in a row. He didn't even get a mugshot on here. What's up with that? Poor Tyler. Poor Tyler. Um, well... One of the key. Does things. it Riley Green? How's Riley Green has a, have a mugshot and he doesn't? Derek Hill? I don't know what happened there. That's rough. <laughs> well, how about Alex Fiedo? Is he is he gonna be is is he? I mean, not in terms of opening day roster, but in terms of uh, interest points, he's got to be kind of high up there when spring training starts. We haven't seen him pitch in a while, and there's. He's got some backers on Tiger's Twitter, I noticed, for his stuff, and more, yeah. more than I would expect. Yeah, I mean, I think he's very close to the top of the list in terms of guys I'm most interested in watching this spring. Yeah, Twitter's been kind of talking him up because he does have good stuff. Uh, he was pitching well the last time we saw him throw competitively in, what, 2019. You know, I don't really know where he's at because it's been so long, but he's almost been written off, forgotten about a little bit. We're going to talk about this here in a second, but he was not even on Keith Law's top 20 prospects. Like, um, I, I'm interested to see Joey Wentz. I'm even more interested in Alex Fiedo. Yeah, I, I think odds are slim. He, like, makes the opening day roster, but I think in an ideal world, you want him debuting in the big leagues where he fits in that's impossible to speculate because the unfortunate reality is you're going to have some injuries to your pitchers we don't know who we don't know you know when we don't know how severe but Fiedos and Wentz are going to be at the top of that list of probably guys um, you want to slot in if you need someone who can fill multiple innings for you yeah I mean it's been so long since we've seen Fiedo throw but let's not forget this guy was a first round pick there was a time not all that long ago no one knew who Tarek Skubal was, and it was Mize, Manning, and Fiedo were kind of the big three of this organization's uh, pitching prospects. One of the great benefits of, of reading 
stories like this, content like this, is it, it literally just puts things out there for you as a reader. And I'm sure it, you know, when you're putting it together, it also ha- happens for you. But coming into the off season, I, you, you always kind of want bullpen arms and stuff, but you know, with the shortstop thing and, you know, some of the other moves that were, um, at the top of the list, I, I kind of didn't give bullpen work that much cognitive energy. But I'll tell you, when you just kind of look at the bullpen, obviously there's a lot of guys you like. But it's like, but and then you look at the people who just missed the cut, it's like, maybe the depth yeah. here isn't necessarily what yeah. I thought. <laughs> yeah, this is why I'm an advocate of the Tigers signing another reliever. The depth sort of falls off a cliff even when you get down to... I mean, I think you can feel really good about Alex Lang, but I guess he's not a slam dunk. Like, I think Jason Foley could have a really good year, but he's, I don't know if he actually makes the big league roster. Brian Garcia, like, I think this is why, you know, there's a world which Alexander moves down to the bullpen and then, and then the picture looks a little better. But yeah, there's not a ton of depth there. Elvin Rodriguez, like Miguel Del Pozo, Angel De Jesus. You know, maybe those are some guys who can fill innings, but I don't really see any of those guys being significant bullpen contributors. Good news is Soto, Cisnero, Fulmer, Funkhauser, like that's probably your quote-unquote winning bullpen like we saw A.J. Hinch deploy. Who knows with, with our guy Joe Jimenez, like, he, he, you know, say, what's he's, your he's hit or miss. He's, him, uh, I mean, it's, <laughs> I wouldn't say it's high, but. I could also see a world in which Joe Jimenez is part of your winning bullpen. So I would I like him as kind of your like fifth or sixth option in the bullpen. I think there are way worse guys to have. Um, that said, you just can't ride his up and down and consistency for much longer. The act is is wearing thin. He's deeper into his career. I think he's got to iron some things out with consistency. And look, he showed some signs of it last year. Even when he got batted around. Uh, his underlying metrics were a lot better than just the ERA would lead you to believe. So I think Jimenez is, is a decent option now that you can trust some like Funkhauser and Fulmer in this bullpen. Um, but they say you can never have enough pitching. And I think if you scroll down, even, even with the starters, like if you sign a fifth starter, it changes it a little bit. I think depth is a little bit of a concern with the pitching staff. Well, speaking of depth, and you just teased it, we can go on to... Friend of the podcast, Keith Law, uh, putting out top 20 rankings for every team, and Tigers included, obviously. And if I can speak freely, every time I read, uh, every time I read like a Keith Law Tigers prospect report or whatever, whatever you want to call it, it brings me laughter, like be- because. <laughs> There's this reputation he has for the team for how he looks at the team. And I'm not here to say whether it's true or not. I'm just saying the reputation exists. And so whenever I see something that plays into it, I just laugh, dude. It's the first sentence. First sentence. <laughs> the Tigers have two prospects in the global top four, but the system isn't as deep as you'd expect from their high draft <laughs> positions the last few years. I mean, that sentence alone is is worthy of like a whole segment on the we're not going to do it but it's worthy of a whole segment on a podcast where it's like well you know all those top picks have been like going to the major leagues or like are on the cusp so like 
I was like, okay, so it, it was sort of like a dig at the top end of their drafting, which the top end of their drafting returns are nice right now. So, okay, so, you know, he puts that little dig in there, and uh, but then I read, like, what he says about Riley Green, and he's definitely, war- like, he, he always liked Green. I remember reading him at the draft. Like, he never was not a fan of Green, as we would joke about how he's not a fan of Job right now. But I don't remember the length. Like, he, he came off his position with the with the, what outfield position Riley could play. Like, he's saying he can play center. That was That was not something that was majority opinion at the time. And he also said he could be on the short list of one of the best players in baseball. Yeah. I mean, wow. that's about as high praise as you get. You know, yeah, and you know, and then he has Spencer, you know, n- uh, number two, no surprise there. Um, nothing really, nothing really to glean there. And he has our boy Dylan Dingler, who was on his quote unquote just miss list, um, uh, as the number three prospect. And then you get to number four, and this is the funniest part number four, Jackson Joe. <laughs> and I'm reading it, and he has, you know, regular sort of level scouting analysis like spin rate miles per hour the amount of pitches he has um as i said at the time of the draft he has all the ingredients you want to see in a future ace (laughs) he's just a high school pitcher with no pro experience yet and the base rate for these guys is not great so basically he's admitting i'm punting on jackson job analysis until he like pitches professionally which somewhat fair which is somewhat fair but i just feel like if that's the standard we're you know i don't think riley until riley green's a good major league player i'm gonna think he sucks like what 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 what, yeah we could apply that logic to a lot of things (laughs) sure (laughs) you know any any first time head coach or manager and you know until chris fetter proves he can be a major league baseball pitching coach like i i assume he doesn't know what he's doing you know like we you know First-time presidents, you know, like we gotta apply this logic <laughs> across the board. I mean, how would you have been hired? You know what I mean? Like, we don't know if he could handle a major league beat, you know, because you've never done it before. So, uh, so I just, I like I said, I, I just kind of laughed at it. Uh, and then the last note that I thought was surprising here, and then you can kind of give any sort of analysis. Uh, number one, he did have some really nice things to say about Isaac Pacheco, um, who is a guy that I'm gonna be very curious about. Um, as as he uh, develops, especially being another high school guy, but he called them middle of the order bat potential, which I I thought was a little bit more than I expected in terms of uh, in terms of analysis from a high school kid. Um, but Ryan, it's kind of high on Ryan Kreidler. Like he yeah. he, he improved himself and gone from an extra guy to potential everyday player in the process, and that's. That's higher than a lot of, I would say higher than most of Tiger's Twitter looks at uh, Kreidler, who has, because in my opinion, based on what he did last year, if that was his, like, real potential, we'd be talking about him. Could he squeeze his way onto the Major League roster? And we're not. So, yeah. so that's that, that was sort of my quick-hitting analysis. Anything on there, um, I guess you didn't have to do a, a do an accompanying piece with this, did I, or did I miss it? Uh, uh, no, I haven't. Just consider consider this my accompanying piece right now for the for the listeners of <laughs> turning the corner. There you go. Um, 
Yeah, we like to have fun with Keith Law here. Keith Law's 2021 rankings. He put the Tigers farm system number 12. He said, it's to the Tigers' credit that they appear to have hit on four of their last five first-round picks at least. This year, he said, as you read earlier, uh, not as much depth as you might expect, <laughs> despite their high draft position. <laughs> and despite like graduating Mize and Scooble, the Tigers remain 12 on his list this year. <laughs> <laughs> I thought 12 was low for the Tigers last year, and I agree wholeheartedly with Keith's assessment that the Tigers are top-heavy. Keith's more vocal yeah. than a lot of people about that. I think he's right. I still think they have the amount of high-end talent that they were absolutely a top-10 farm system last year. Uh, and I think 12, I think the rest of his assessment this year is very fair. I think 12 is probably it, about right, because you have Torque Green and no certainties beyond that even when you get past like their number five prospect, I don't know. It's hard to say like how much actual major league talent you have. Um, let's go into my criticisms. Keith, uh, another fair criticism of Keith Law. Their international side hasn't produced a positive war big leaguer since Eugenio Suarez, who de debuted in 2014. Mm -hmm. That is halfway true. They have produced Gregory Soto, who is a pitcher, who is an all-star in positive war. They have not produced a uh, positive war big league position player, mm. and that's a real problem, and that's one of the reasons there's not as much depth in this farm system. Mostly it's just come from the top of the draft. Uh, one guy, our guy, Parker Meadows, you know, uh, Keith actually still, Keith still ranked Parker Meadows 14, and <laughs> Keith's been a Parker Meadows believer. I ooh, guy hit 208 last year, and then I wonder if he got... Meadows and I don't know. He said Gage Workman has 70 speed that would probably play well in center field. I don't know if he meant to put that under Parker Meadows. Like I don't like. I'm sure Gage Workman's a good athlete. I had never seen him graded with uh, 70 speed before, and I don't know why we're talking about him playing outfield. And then right-handed pitch, pitcher Austin Bergner comes in at number 15. And uh, I don't really know why. It seems like Keith probably saw him play in the Arizona Fall League. This guy was a ninth-round pick in 2019. Uh, his numbers are, I think, solid at low A, mediocre at high A. Wasn't really someone who was super on my radar before. So, I don't know. Someone I'm going to pay a little more attention to now. Is Keith early on the Austin Bergner train? Or uh, was it... Uh, trying a little too hard to just make his list different. And Bergner actually 2.90 ERA in West Michigan. It was in, in Lakeland. He had a 4.44 ERA. So, uh, you know, those are probably kind of their critiques. And then he was not big on Fiedo, even though he, he ranked Wentz 16. I guess we've seen Wentz pitch more recently, but he didn't necessarily look like himself toward the end of last year when he was coming back from TJ, I would almost still feel more optimistic about Fiedo than Wentz. Uh, Eli Afonso, the catcher, is on this top 20 list. I don't I don't know why. Uh, so, I don't know. There are some things that certainly made me scratch my head. And Keith's never been very big on Ty Madden either, uh, which is kind of interesting. He is known as more of a fastball slider guy and doesn't really have a third pitch. Keith speculated from the beginning that he could end up being a reliever. The Tigers seem to really like Ty Madden a lot, and I saw Madden pitch some just on TV at Texas and liked him. 
uh, I'm going to withhold real judgment until, like Job, we, we actually see him pitch in professional games. He did basically call Job, like, Job fits under the Keith Law definition of a sleeper uh, because, like, the definition is outside the top 100 who could jump into the top 100 overall uh, prospect list. Uh, of course, the caveat being that, like, basically everybody else would have Job in the top 100, but... Um, uh, but Christian Santana, he he's, he he just kind of listed this guy as a you know the talents there international signing money. Uh, says the Tigers believe in his talent. Obviously, the same could be said said for Campos. Um, so uh, I guess a couple of sleeper names out there to look out for. Um, I did like the Winslow Perez reference. I, I did appreciate that. It's been a while mm. since I thought of Winslow Perez. Yeah. Winseal. 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 Or no, it's Winslow. It's Winslow like pencil. It's spelled Winseal, but it's Winslow like pencil. That's right. You're right. <laughs> and uh, that was, you know, he became 22 pretty quickly. Let's just phrase it like that. Uh, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, other Tigers news this week. We don't have to spend too much time on it because it's just a formality uh but we do have another date for lou whitaker to get his number retired um it's gonna be in august i should have written it down it's august 6th is that uh, i forgot to uh, august 6th we'll just say that and then see how wrong or correct i am no no let's get it get it right for the people uh, get, there's we'll get a the ticket package out there i was you right can get, august 6th i was right you can get a, a tiger's pr i'm gonna do you guys a big favor right now you can get a ticket package that gets you tickets to both opening day and the Lou Whitaker retirement ceremony. It's called the double play deal. It starts at $65. The Lou Whitaker retirement game. You also get a Lou Whitaker road replica jersey. It looks pretty sweet. Uh, so I feel like uh, hopefully I get some kind of favor in return for that plug. Yeah, I wouldn't mind Tigers PR just sending me one of those jerseys since I won't be able to... <laughs> You know, make the trip. You know, they could also send me a uh, a media guide. I I'd like that. I, I I do like to pour through those, being the information junkie that I am. But uh, for those keeping track at home, number retired numbers retired by the Tigers are number two Charlie Geringer, number three Alan Trammell, number five Hank Greenberg, number six Al Kaline, number eleven Sparky Anderson, number sixteen Hal Newhauser, number twenty three Willie Horton. Number 47, Jack Morris. And then, as with every franchise, number 42, Jackie Robinson. Um, and Ty Cobb, who did not yeah. have a number. Yeah. His not having a number is retired, which I love. Yes. So, no one, for the rest of the Tigers' history, no one can wear a blank jersey. Uh, <laughs> That's but, how I interpret it. <laughs> yep. Um, and it got me kind of thinking. I was like, you know, I view the Tigers as a historic franchise. You, but I'm biased. You, you also have have said that, um, and you pointed this out on Twitter. It's kind of a shame that there's not like a a real Hall of Fame, like in stadium Hall of Fame, like music exhibit thing. They had like was that rotation of uh, like eras and like a little stand. The eras in which there are a couple like factual errors on there, mm-hmm. and they're kind of hard to get to, and you can like stand in the concourse and people will, like run into you while you're trying to read about like the Tigers of the 1910s. I really don't like the way the Tigers have those set up. I'm gonna be honest. When I talk about Tigers kind of missing some layups, I think that's one of them. I think 
I don't know where you put it, maybe out by the statues in Centerfield. Somewhere, uh, I feel like they can pay better tribute to history, give some more information on the historic nature of the franchise, honor the greatest players and the greatest moments in franchise history. You know, I guess maybe the way it's done now, it's kind of spread across the ballpark, so maybe everyone can kind of see some of it, but let's be honest, the Tigers, okay, you're not as iconic as the Yankees, but look, the Yankees line stretches like halfway through the stadium to get to Monument Park, and people stand in it, and I stood in it, because it was Monument Park, it was really cool, I wanted to see it. Um, the Tigers, I definitely think, should have some sort of more formal Hall of Fame or museum inside of Comerica Park. I think the fans would like it, appreciate it. I think younger fans or fans who are less knowledgeable could more easily feel the power of Tiger's history than they would by like walking through the concourse trying to look at these weird things on wheels that like highlight a different decade or whatever. Well, the at Kauffman Stadium, the Royals have one, and, yes. and, and it's nice. Um, I, I liked yeah. going through that a lot. Um, especially given their recent success with the World Series, got the trophy, got game used uniform spikes, you know, that kind of thing. And I thought it was really well done. Um, for whatever it's worth, not retired but honored, uh, Tigers players, uh, Huey Jennings, Sam Crawford, George yeah, Kell, Mickey right. Cochran, Ernie Harwell, uh, Harry Heelman, and Heaney Manish. Um, you know, there's probably a couple other names that probably could warrant, like, uh, maybe not a number retired, but a you know their name on the wall or whatever i'd like something for bill freehand i think that's warranted yeah. i mean yeah. you know because if you look at the category of of retired numbers the the criteria basically as of now is hall of famer or like really 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 important player um and lou whitaker's not a hall of famer but he was a really important player but he's also very much like the definition of a borderline hall of famer obviously and I, I still kind of want to think he's going to get in, but discussion for another day. And then obviously Willie Horton, just as important um, a player in franchise history with, uh, with you know being from Detroit and and what he's meant to the community, and then being a lifelong member of the organization, um, obviously very much warranted. Um, you think you know Miguel Cabrera is going to get there? Verlander will get there. Bill Freehand, like I mentioned. Other than that, there's not, you know, we could have an argument about Norm Cash. You know, I, I was kind of maybe thinking there might be some more names in there. Um, maybe Jim Bunning. You could do some for Bunning. He did start his career with the Tigers, but, and he's in the Hall of Fame. Um, but I just kind of feel like that area could use a little bit of a facelift with something, and now they're getting it with uh, another number retired. But, you know, I just feel like as a, historic franchise as the Tigers are, I feel like there could be another name or two there. And Bill Freehand, I think, definitely, it's unfortunate that would happen, you know, po- uh, post-death. But yeah, I, I think there's a couple guys in there that they could they could do, they could honor. And, and it would be warranted. It wouldn't be like a, like a publicity stunt or whatever. Sure. No, if, you, if you were to add someone, I would say probably freehand um unfortunately some of the guys some of your most iconic players like denny mclean mark fidrich probably didn't really have their number retired kind of you know short-lived uh careers or a short-lived peak that's why if you have some kind of museum something a better (laughs) way to honor those guys you know put a huge picture of the bird out there you don't have to retire his number 
but I think I think those sort of impactful players could be honored uh, better at the ballpark in some way. So uh, full disclosure for our listeners, we're recording this before any news that could or could not uh, be filtered out from the big meeting uh, on Saturday between the two sides, owners and, and players. Um, we did get some talking uh, bits from Rod Manfred, and it's just one of those things, Cody, that when he talks... I just kind of look at him as some like cable news talking head. Like I just don't necessarily find it very informative. Um, I don't find it very useful, and it usually pisses me off more than you know makes me feel confident about the state of things. So I don't I don't know I I don't know what else to really say about it. He just he is not he's not a good figurehead at best for baseball right now, and it's unfortunate because he came in with a lot of hype as someone would be forward thinking and stuff and good at negotiations. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he was touting his own experience in negotiations. And you know, that was the whole thing was what I expected. It was a press conference. Every word he said was going to get picked apart. People were going to look for reasons to mock him. You know, he said, I'm the same guy I have been since 98 in the context. He was saying about his like negotiating experience. He got ripped for that. I didn't, you know, that one was, eh, uh, but then, you know, saying that uh, the stock market is a better investment than owning an MLB team, which is proven to be pretty false. Like, number one, why would you say that? Number two, definitely don't say it if it's wrong. You know, and that now that's now that's the only thing anyone's talking about from that press conference. I mean, we're we have a universal DH like we're going to have a universal DH. We should be celebrating that. Um, but instead we're like making like memes of Rod, Rob Manfred and stonks. And like, I, I just don't see how this is good for the game. Yep. Yep. And again, losing confidence in, uh, in, in their ability, them and the players to, to come to any sort of agreement. And you know, who knows, maybe something groundbreaking happens, uh, from this meeting and we look like idiots when this thing, you know, publishes, but, uh, mm, probably not. odds on that, not. not so hot. Um, so this podcast, I got, I got one more, I got one more, thing. uh, Lou Whitaker's Jersey has been retired. So it was, they first announced it in the winter of 2019. It was supposed to happen during the 2020 season. Obviously there was this pandemic thing. And they didn't do it last season because uh, there was limited attendance at the start of the year. And and no one really, you know, these things take a long time to play. Big ceremonies. Yeah. Uh, Another thing that should have happened in the 2020 season, my guy Armando Galarraga should have thrown out a first pitch the 10-year anniversary of his almost perfect game. When I went to see Armando in Austin, he said he wanted to. His agent had, like, been in touch with the Tigers, but I don't think there was ever a firm date set in stone. Um, I guess you could maybe argue now or just wait until the 15 year anniversary or whatever. I think Armando Galarraga should, uh, come throughout the first pitch at a Tigers game, probably in May of 2022. Yeah, I agree. Well, what's the point of waiting? Like, you know, honor him, honor him while it's still near fresh. Like any point of waiting now, you got to explain everything to the next generation. <laughs> Let's let's go ahead and, and, and do do right by him. I, I would say uh, that was that was June second. So maybe June second if they're home. I don't even know if they're home, but uh, he, I think he should do it this year. Well, one last thing before we wrap up. This came to me. 
Um, should we have? And you should bring Jim Joyce and have them reunite. Oh yes, absolutely. Should any consideration the Jim Leland uh, honor? Maybe not number retired, but like name on the uh, you know name up there, name on the brick. I uh, love Jim Leland. Talked to Jim Leland this week. Actually, highly entertaining as usual. I don't think he was the manager for long enough. Like, I think, I was saying, I think he's a Hall of Fame manager for the duration of his career, but didn't win a World Series as Tigers manager, even though he won two pennants, and he was, you know, manager for less than a decade. So I I think it'd be great to have a picture of Jim Leland smoking a cigarette somewhere in the <laughs> concourse, somewhere near a Hall of Fame area. Uh, and you could argue if he's inducted in the Hall of Fame, like per tradition, maybe he put his name up there, but I don't. I don't think I would go quite that far. Okay, that's fair. Um, unless there's anything else you wanted to get to, I got myself a nice little college chronicle story, Cody. Uh, should we should we fire away we with gotta, that? I think we got to dive into it. Yeah. All right. Here we go. I'm excited for this one. So, obviously, if you're listening to this right when it comes out, it is Valentine's Day. Hopefully, you didn't forget. Um, my senior year of college. I did not forget Valentine's Day. I did the opposite of forgetting about Valentine's Day. I planned out a nice, nice evening out. So uh, my girlfriend at the time, she's very into, you know, she's very art-oriented, right? So I thought, okay, well, why don't we go to Tulsa? There was his first mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Hindsight there, Cody, hindsight. Um, So... Even though that's not necessarily my cup of tea, I'm a very open-ended guy, you know, consider myself a cultured guy, so I was like, all right, well, um, Chicago the Musical is playing at the downtown Tulsa Performing Arts Center. It's, from what I understand, Oof. a very, very nice uh, very nice venue. I've never been. Here's why. So, <laughs> um, it's a, Valentine's Day is a Friday, and... So I get like a hotel in downtown Tulsa and tickets to Chicago the musical for the two of us and and she was all excited and you know the thought it was good I thought oh man what a great I am being a great I am being a thoughtful boyfriend right here I, I put in some effort into this and it's gonna be a great evening you know and it should also be noted that we more or less fell in love in Tulsa because we sure. we lived together with another colleague of ours uh that summer I was interning at the Tulsa World newspaper she was uh, interning at um another newspaper and and she lived with me and another friend of ours and so we obviously hung out all the time we saw each other all the time like you know when you when you live with someone there's not as many secrets right so like you know that's essentially how we we ended up by the end of the summer being together it wasn't the most Smooth thing, as Cody can remember. <laughs> a lot of, you know, two-week gaps and not drama, but just like, all right, here's the latest thing. Um, Things are messy at that age, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, we're early 20s people, you know, exactly. living in the city, exactly. you know, like, you know, it happens, you know. So I'm like, all right, so this is the place we fell in love and, you know, got, you know, go see this, you know, nice, nice play and, you know, stay at a, you know, stay right in the heart of downtown, which, you know, that's also her hometown like there's all these elements here that i think is gonna be great so she took uh intro to management at that that semester and the way that class worked at oklahoma state 
was, or fundamentals of management is what it's called. Fundamentals of management. The way that class worked at Oklahoma State is you didn't take your test during your lecture times. You had to sign up for a test time and you took it on a computer. So you have like a certain window of three or four days or whatever to, to sign up to take the test. She decides to choose the latest test-taking window, which is like 3.45 or something like that, on Friday. And, you know, me trying to... She didn't have to choose that time. She could have chosen other times. Yes. Me trying to be a calm person and not, not like, overreact or whatever. I always try to be conscious of that because I'm very capable of popping off at any time. Um... I was like, okay, well, this is going to make it a little complicated. She's like, oh, no, it'll be fine. I was like, all right. So then she she, she takes the test at that time. I was kind of hoping she would change it. She didn't. You know, I was trying to hope she would just kind of do these things on her own. She didn't. Um, she also had a dog. And despite having, like, many friends uh, in Stillwater, had no one that could look out, look over, look out for her dog, like, for a night. So... That means that we had to drive to her parents' house to drop off said dog. And Tulsa's like an hour, a little bit more than an hour away from Stillwater. So then she's got to get, you know, she finished the test. She's got to go home. She's got to get ready. Got to get all the stuff needed to transport slash, you know, leave the dog at her parents' house. Then we got to drive. And I'm doing all these calculations in my head. I was like, we're not making the play. <laughs> or it's not making the play. And... As we're driving to uh, to uh, Tulsa, there's basically two ways. This is one of my favorite quotes from her. There's basically two ways to get to her parents' house, but it all ends on the same highway because she lived right off, you know, whatever highway that was in Tulsa. And you can essentially go east and then north a little bit or east and then south. Like, it, it all ends, just think of it, like, as a square, like, trying to go, get to second base, like a diamond. Like, you can go... You can go down the third baseline and then to hang a right, or you can go down the first baseline and then hang a left to get to second base. She claims that one's better than the other because it runs by her house. I'm like, they both run by your house. It's the same highway. Am I missing something here? Like, they, they both run by your house. We're, we're going to the same place with the same route, just, just mirror images. But she was insistent on taking this route, so we took this route. And drop off the dog, and as we're realizing that we're not going to make this play um she she's like well why don't we go see a movie at like uh the warren theater which is a little bit of an upscale um theater um company in in oklahoma i don't know if they have them other places but they have a couple in oklahoma and so i was like all right well the kingsman's you know secret service movie or whatever had just come out and i was kind of interested in it i was like why don't we go see that no i don't really want to see that so we went to dinner at Carabas in uh, on the outskirts of Tulsa, which is just a hair better than Olive Garden. And if you guys like that, those restaurants, don't take any offense. It's just like like I, I my my mom's second generation Italian, so like I I never go to those restaurants because like I have access to the real thing at home, right? And and then my uh, my fiance now was also like of Italian descent and you know, cooks all that stuff really well. So I never go to those restaurants. So, you know, I was like, it was, you know, food was fine. Dinner was fine. I'm still keeping a good attitude. 
What movie do we go see? We go see the SpongeBob movie. Bang, bang. On a Friday night, which means that we're sharing the theater with like a bunch of kids running around, man. Like <laughs> it's Valentine's Day, you know, it's trying to, you know, trying to, you know, do, you know, be sweet and romantic. And there's like kids running around, like yelling. I'm watching SpongeBob, which, you know, as a kid, I watched SpongeBob. I would never have like, Gone you were trying to take theater. a girl out in the city. Like you were trying to, you were trying to really. You're still like 22. You were trying to really feel like an adult. You know, mm-hmm. you're trying to have a very adult Valentine's Day, and instead you end up watching SpongeBob SquarePants in a movie theater with little children. Yes, awful. So after the movie, which I don't even remember the plot of that movie. I think SpongeBob gets out and he's like <laughs> real or something. I don't know. I don't remember. Um, so after that, we go to our hotel, which. The whole point of having this hotel is kind of ruined now. Like the whole point was to kind of be centered in, in, in Tulsa and you know downtown Tulsa and you know, so I was like, all right, well we'll go up to the hotel, and I was like, well, do you want to go? It's right next to their bar district, the Blue Dome District, and which is where we had a lot of amazing times, like in the very early stages of our relationship. And so I was like, well, do you want to go get, like, a drink at Arnie's, you know, or, you know, whatever? And she said to me, she goes, all you do, all you ever want to do is go to bars. (laughs) And I was like, "Uh," (laughs) I was like, A, like, we're, like, 22 years old. Like, that's what 22-year-olds do. B, we're in, like, a... You know, not like a Dallas or Detroit type major city, but we're in like, you know, an actual real city. Right. And this is the place that we like became like this is the place where we like started our relationship. We have a lot of great memories in Tulsa and not nothing. Wanted to go to sleep. (laughs) And I think we watched like I think we watched like Grease on the TV or something. And which I like Grease, but like it was just like. Sounds like an awful night. At best, it was as mundane a night and a waste of precious financial resources uh, at the time to to do all that. And I don't even remember if we like got breakfast or something on you know on Saturday or you know. But but then we had to go back and get the dog and then come back. And it was overall, it was kind of a waste of a good Friday night, to be honest. And and when you talk about uh, looking back, uh, wasn't the only one. That was a waste of Friday. Night. <laughs> those those added up more than I would have liked, to be honest. Oh, but, but yeah, that, I can't I can't compete with that one. I uh, I did waste money on Chicago once upon a time. I actually got to see the play though, so I guess it was still better than. But, you know, it's, it's in New York with my with my ex girlfriend and. Uh, she was still, I guess, her senior year of college. I was a couple years out of college. And really, you know, I wanted to take a girl to a show, like a Broadway show. I thought that would be awesome. It's awesome. And, um, you know, she's like, oh, I can pay for it. I was like, no, like, you're like you're in college. I'll buy your ticket. Like, you know, I'm on a cheap ticket. I don't remember how much it was. It was it's triple digits for yeah. sure. It was, yeah, off-Broadway at the time. It was, I mean, yeah, it was New York. Like, it was, uh, and uh, so bought her the ticket. Uh, Cooper Gooding Jr. was supposed to be playing the lead role, so I was kind of excited to see him. 
the performance we went to for some reason like the understudy was performing and he was just <laughs> not there with like no explanation so i was pretty upset about that and uh we had that we also had this professor in college who was known for saying ridiculous things one of them he's claimed he kept a spreadsheet for every dollar he ever spent on like his on a woman and if they broke up he would then send it to her and say this is how much you owe like me an invoice uh yeah which i think is terrible and really weird but you know i, I wouldn't mind having that money back you know i wouldn't mind it <laughs> or at least being able to have a little uh, reminder just to kind of chuckle to yourself you know at least yeah, it'd be documented yeah. <laughs> I was also. I actually got to see the play though. I didn't have yeah. to watch SpongeBob, so I'll take it as a victory. Yeah, definitely better than mine. Um, I also, <laughs> when I was in high school, one of one of those like two week relationships or whatever, this girl broke up with me on Valentine's Day. <laughs> 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 I, was, I was like, I was like, in my head, I'm just like looking up at the sky. I'm just like, really? Like we're doing this? this is a thing? She broke up. We were juniors in high school. We didn't go to the same high school. She broke up with me because. I wasn't planning on going to Texas A&M. Hundred <laughs> percent sure. Awful, awful. <laughs> I told her I was like, "You do realize if this is the reason to break up with me, you're basically trying to lock down your husband right now, right?" Yeah. She, she goes, did this? Did this girl actually end up going there? She did. She did. Okay. Good. Um, I have another funny story about her for another time, but um, <laughs> but yeah. So she didn't end up dating anybody that went to texas a&m and i don't even know if she's married now or whatever but jen i hope you're happy with your with your life choices so um <laughs> i hope all our loyal listeners have a better valentine's day yes i hope and, i hope y'all prepared i hope y'all got something fun to do um it's it's very cliche but my i my very limited advice would be try to find something that's authentic to you and that like isn't reliant on the other person, if they do not make responsible decisions, having to make <laughs> responsible decisions. So that just don't, would... just don't end up watching SpongeBob. <laughs> just <laughs> anything's better than that. <sighs> All right. Well, on that note, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. <laughs> um, and uh, and I hope everybody has a great week. I hope uh, I hope you guys realize how. Much we appreciate you guys listening, subscribing, uh, Spotify, and Apple, following us on Twitter. He's at Cody Stavenhagen. I am at Kieran underscore Steckley. Our podcast page is at Turn Corner Pod. Um, anytime we get kind words, um, I just want y'all to know, very much appreciate it, because um, we have a good time doing this, and, uh, and, if, and people liking our work is the reward in and of itself, so... Like I said, hope everybody has a great week. For Cody Stavenhagen, I'm Kieran Steckley. Thank you, everyone, for listening.